Welcome to HackerRank Radio, Episode 6. I'm Vivek, co-founder and CEO of HackerRank. Each month, we'll talk to top engineering leaders about solving one of the toughest problems today, hiring the right developers. Today, we have Hung Lee, founder of Workshape.io, a matching service for tech talent that focuses on candidates' interests first before unlocking the conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Hung. Thank you so much for your time and uh, jumping on this. This is our episode six. I think we share interest in this in this area. You know, we, yeah. what we want to talk about: how do we hire developers? You know, what, what do we need to do? How do we create a situation where developers want to talk to us and all that kind of stuff? So, awesome. Maybe you can talk a little bit about how you got started with Workshape. Yes. Yeah, so, so Workshape started through. A conversation, myself and one of my developer friends, I was the recruiter at the time. So I knew him because I was head of talent at a startup we were both working at. As his recruiter friend, I was basically responsible for all of his problems, right? And he was saying, Hung, you know, why do you guys always keep calling me for jobs I don't want to do anymore? And then I thought to myself, you know what, that's a very interesting thing you just said there. Because that's obviously the prevalent experience that a lot of in-demand talent actually has, where they get constantly bombarded by recruitment messaging from recruiters pitching jobs that they don't want to do. Workshape is really an attempt to cut the noise uh, in that sort of initial part of that conversation. And what we wanted to do at Workshape was to collect information about what a developer inherently wants. We visualize it to make it very easy for the recruiter to understand what that looks like. And then we match it to companies that have a compatible job. And by doing that, we hope that we can reduce the the number of irrelevant conversations uh, and, of course, increase the relevancy of the conversations that do occur. That's really interesting. So I did see the graph on your homepage, the graph that had architecture, front-end skills, documentation, code quality, and all of those things. Uh, It was a really cool graph. I'm probably going to uh, use that for our our developer reports as well. But I thought that was more to do with the skills of the developer. But it seems like it's more to indicate the developer's interests. That's exactly and, right. And so I see. And, and how does how does the developer indicate interest? Like, do you do you say that I am really really interested on a scale of one to ten in these areas? Is that how a developer indicates interest on on your site? Yeah. Well, uh, another thing that we wanted to do is to make it very easy for for the developer to communicate what it is he or she is most passionate to do. And so we experimented with numbers of ways to do it. And we just thought, look, cannot have people fill forms in anymore. You know, this developer is, is, is not a, an active job seeker in the usual case. He's not going to tolerate sort of a UX that's going to be extremely difficult. So we give him a very simple drag and drop interface to say, look, if you had the ideal scenario, what does it look like in terms of your time distribution? So we, we think of the work shape as really a visual description of time distributed over tasks. So let's say I come into the system and, you know, you're a developer, of course you are. Let's say you hate to do documentation, right? I mean, that's an honest thing. You don't like doing it. You really don't want a job that requires you to do it. Then great. Tell us that you don't want to do it that then. And we will then match you to a company that does not require you to do that part of the job. So we want to match developer sentiment to employer need with a bit of honesty to say, you know what? No job is ideal. No candidate is ideal. There's compromises that you need to make, but at the same time, if you tell us what it is that you're you're most interested in, we will only match you to companies that have that job, and we won't expose you to the wider market where you end up having to deal with pitches. The recruiters, of course, who are very talented salespeople often have the ability to persuade you to take an interest in a job that perhaps is not inherently 
in your interest. Before you know it, you find yourself in a recruiting process that actually, you know, you don't really want that kind of work. So we say, okay, forget about that. We'll only expose jobs that you've told us you're interested in. Maybe you could walk us through for our audience a little bit about when did you get started and sort of your traction so far in terms of the number of developers who've signed up, the profiles and the number of companies, and also possibly the number of matches that you've been able to make. One of our problems was that we wanted to create a kind of an opt-in service. We never wanted to create a massive kind of marketplace that scraped data and all the rest of it. We wanted everyone kind of come into this with deliberation and conscientiousness. So we always had this, a massive scale problem. Like how do we encourage developers to sign up to job discovery sites when in fact, obviously a software developer might not feel that they need this. They have a lot of opportunities coming at them all the time. So massive challenge for us. But the way we position Workshape was to say, you know what, we understand that developers generally don't behave like job seekers. They don't exhibit job seeking behaviors in my language. So, you know, they don't have a resume to go. They're not going to apply for jobs. They're not going to do all of these things that a traditional job seeker might do. So our pitch to devs is to say, look, we accept that you're currently probably in a great job, but if you're able to tell us what is ideal, then we'll collect that information and we'll just connect you to a company when that opportunity arises. It may not be immediate, it could be next week, it could be six months down the line. But if you do get contacted on Workshape, it will be because that job has matched to what it is you said that you wanted to do. Instead of thinking of the dynamics of active versus passive, this is a very common question that we, I'm sure you get this as well, uh, Vivek, where they say how many active candidates and how many, I was saying, you know what, this binary model of understanding people's behavior is probably not very accurate. Yeah, um, because at some level, everybody is sort of looking for a job, right? At, yeah, at it's, absolutely. It's a spectrum, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm sure you're very happy running. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm interviewing, uh, but yes, I'm pretty sure like most people in our company, I mean, it's not that they don't like HackerRank, but it's, hey, oh, you come should, on. And, and, yeah. I, and I actually encourage people as well, uh, not, not very openly in all-hand session or something, but hey, you should go and look out and see what's open, but don't take the offer, like stay in <laughs> Uh, right. Yeah. But, but but at some level, I don't think it's binary. Like you said, there's always at some level, people are always contacting others and you're always right. taking out like some sort of a coffee meeting or a lunch meeting or anything. And uh, and it's happening. So it's really not a binary one. Right. I mean, if you you and I cast our minds, but I mean, we, we kind of moved beyond the period of actually thinking of job seekers. But let's say you remember there was once upon a time when yeah. you were an employee. I mean, you think about the amount of time you're actually doing job seeking behavior. And even when you were active, it was probably no more than 10, 20 hours a year. Um, what are you doing the rest of that time? Yeah. Are you getting on with your day? But it doesn't mean that you are completely inert. Even now, you're probably not inert, uh, Vivek. You know, if, if Elon Musk came to you and called you up tomorrow and said, hey, Vivek, I love what you're doing at HackerRank, but can you help me send people to Mars and offer you an amazing opportunity? You'd probably take the call at least. Um, I'd probably take the call, but I'm not sure if I'll go. But yes, I will definitely <laughs> take the call, yeah. But this is, this is exactly what I mean. It's like yeah. the, if the job is close to ideal, I think most people would have a conversation. Yeah. And if you're an employer, you know what? You would not stand in the way of your staff if that circumstance occurred. I mean, again, it wasn't strategy at Workshape to, to think like this. We didn't sort of have this insight right from the beginning. But as we were kind of building an aspirational matching product, we realized that actually most people are probably interested in a conversation and they want to keep the dialogue with the right kind of company, right kind of job opportunities, and they can be activated when the time is right. And I think that is actually something that the wider market really needs to get a little bit better at. Yeah, at some level, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of like what we discussed. At some level, like people are 
always, not always, I would say, but at some spectrum, at some degree, people are looking for another opportunity or would just at least like take a, take a meeting and see how it goes. Because I do that all the time. On the other side, was I, I go and ask them, hey, can we meet for coffee? Can we meet for lunch and, and, and do this? So, so clearly it's, it's going to happen on the other side as well. You know what? Let, let me just add a final point to this. The, the real mistakes I think companies make when they're trying to recruit software engineers, or in fact, anybody in very high demand where, where there's kind of limited supply, is that they're only using this binary model of active or passive. And they're either focusing purely on active candidates, so they immediately eliminate 99% of the possible people they could talk to, and they're, they're just interacting with those active guys who of course are also interacting with everyone else. So it's a complete race to close these people and it's a chaotic, high stress type scenario for everyone involved. And they end up implementing a sort of a process that is just a, a way to push these people through the flow. When in fact, if you started talking to some of the 99%, you'd realize that actually there's lots of people there that you could potentially recruit if you had the right approach to it. It's actually very similar also to sales. I mean, of course, you know this now yourself, Vivek, but basically, you know, imagine buyers, right, of, of HackerRank as a service. If you focus only on the active buyers that were obviously signaling they were buying HackerRank, then, you know, you have a very small market. But of course, you don't do that. You do a lot of sales nurturing. You do a lot of marketing. You do a lot of inbound stuff because you want to build a brand. And eventually, buyer who's going to buy your service, the timing is going to be right for that conversation to occur. I think recruitment needs to work exactly in that way, especially for the high demand folks. You know, we can't treat developers as if they're graduates who are, who are desperate for work like, mm-hmm. or highly motivated job seekers. They're not highly motivated job seekers. They're highly demand, highly skilled people who are busy getting on with their day. Um, you've got to figure out a way how to talk to those folks, you know? Yeah. What is your thought on this whole idea of there are so many different articles that talk about there is a lack of supply, which is we don't have enough developers right now, and hence we are struggling to hire. Is it because, okay, I don't want to bias. I don't want to give an option. Tell, what, what, what is your, what's your thought on that? I've got a number of thoughts on it. I think, number one, there probably is an absolute imbalance. At the very highest level, there probably is a, a kind of a shortage of talent, I would say. Although that is not the main reason why people struggle to recruit. I think it, the second reason is because people are focused only on the hyperactive. And the hyperactive who are in uh, of the software developer community is a very small number of people that are active only for a very short period of time before off the market. So we're ignoring a large percentage of the available resource pool. But then there's other reasons, man. In recruitment in general, we have a number of biases which kind of reduce the available talent pool, especially in tech, man. We do a lot of what I call pedigree hiring where this guy has got to be good because he worked at Facebook or he can't be good because he didn't work at Facebook, right? Stuff, Stuff like this. And then you think, right, firstly, how do you know this? Secondly, you're kind of saying this because perhaps you don't trust your ability to assess whether this person is good or bad. Therefore, you push it kind of uh, to the previous employer to say, look, Facebook must have put this guy through X, Y testing. Therefore, he must be amazing. It's kind of not trusting your ability to make a decision. This is where I think your product and products like it have such a wonderful contribution to make to the decision making because it can help recruiters and hiring managers actually. It's not just the people who are doing the recruiting role. It's usually the hiring managers that have the pedigree hiring bias. It's helping those folks to potentially say yes to candidates who are perfectly capable but perhaps don't have a big brand name that they recognize. 
And have um, you seen it happen at Workshape, which is like a developer who probably did not graduate from a great school or worked at one of these well-known companies, actually ended up being hired and being very, very successful. Have you had stories like that at Workshape so far? Absolutely. And in fact, again, we've accidentally had this insight because we didn't discover it this way. But discovery is important, right? So when pedigree hiring is, is an issue is when basically the employer has the ability to search the database. Uh, when you yeah. search a big database, of course, I'm going to see all the big names I like and automatically give them a, an A rating, even though it just is a resume, right? I mean, how, how would I know this person's a good developer? I have no clue. But yeah. you know what? He worked for a company I recognize, therefore he must be good. On our platform, there's no search. Immediately, that's eliminated. Discovery is purely based on the, the shape of the match and, and some other inputs that we collect on either side. So we've provided a way for, I think, the 99% of brands to compete on an equal playing field with the mega brands out there because developers firstly will discover those opportunities in that way and companies will discover developers in in a completely new way as well without thinking about this pedigree. Yes, it's organized that way and we do see conversations occur that I think would not have occurred had that initial kind of search been there, which, which kind of lends itself to this sort of bias. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Like our mission is the reason why we even started this company was was very similar to that, which is resumes have a very poor signal to your skills. I think it's there on even on your homepage. No resumes required or something on those lines on, on resumes. And we yep. believe it has a very poor signal and we focus a lot on skills to do it. Yeah. Let me let me say this. It's crazy. It's crazy how much dependency the entire recruitment market has on resumes. If you think about all of the systems that are there literally to process these documents right? and all of the processes, the human processes that we put in because of the existence of these processes, it's like, oh my God, we literally have built an entire way of doing it based on what is essentially marketing literature. And you know, how can we expect to do a good job of matching people to opportunity when you know, the, the artifacts that we use to exchange information cannot be trusted? It's a mess. And this is like a really, really, really hard problem, which is in a, in a very idealistic way, you would have a standardized system where you would quantify if you are uh, level eight, it means this. If you are a level seven, it means this. If you are level six, it means this for every skill. And the entire world agrees to that because there is no standard. And then for each developer in the world, you could sort of put them in these buckets or in these skill levels and then match them to the right jobs, right? Which is very similar to what you're saying. You don't, Not every job requires you to have all the skills on 10 out of 10. There are certain strengths that you want in a particular developer for a particular type of job. As long as you're able to identify the right skill sets and in the right proportion, then you should be able to do, do it well. I think that's kind of what I see a lot of companies, like whether it's Workshape or HackerRank, and there are a lot of other people who are who are trying to solve the recruiting problem as well, moving in the direction of, can we get better signals, right? I mean, that's that's really the goal. If resumes are a poor signal, whether that's collecting data from developers to say, hey, what do you really want? Or whether you, you can actually showcase your skills or whether you can have people interview them on a report saying, here are this person's skills and strengths and weaknesses. And that's a very interesting shift. Although I believe that it's going to take a much longer time to do that. Still, you find the job boats, and I don't have anything against job boats. Um, a couple of them are investors as well, so I love them. You, you still have people on job boats and, and resumes and like connections and, and others still occupying the majority of how you do the searches, right? 
Yeah, and that's okay, man. I mean, sort of the way I've seen it is perfect is not achievable and and probably not desirable uh, either. You know, there's always going to be some messiness in in connecting people to to opportunity. And I actually don't have, if you like, the dream of, of creating the perfect system. I think it'd actually be a dystopian thing. What we need to do as entrepreneurs and, and as, as people are trying to push the marble forward a little bit is just to provide a little bit more information, a little bit better signal. At the end of the day, I think recruiting, especially when you're talking about permanent hiring, getting someone into the team, uh, that remains, I think, a very context-driven situation. I would say that it'd be very difficult to objectively measure someone's suitability without also factoring in members of the team, the project they're working on, the context, the environment, everything, all of that, all of those things uh, contribute to whether this person is, is a good hire or not. What we can do as technology vendors is to help people make better decisions. That I think is good enough. I think, you know, you say no one trusts resumes. That's the reason why a lot of recruiting is so painful because we don't trust the damn resume. That's mm. why we want this guy in. Oh, yeah, he needs to do a six-hour technical test. Uh, mm. Actually, we're not happy with that. He needs to then do a whiteboard exercise and meet with the CTO. We're not happy with that. We need, we need to put him through a reference checking process. Still not happy with that. We have like uh, we hired a guy and we have some sort of notice period of four weeks because we you know we still don't trust any of this, right? So all of these things is because we don't have confidence that this person is suitable. And the way I see it is, look. If we can just provide a little bit more than, than what is currently out there, that's pushing the marble forward. That's going to help better decisions be made and there'll be incremental progress as a result. Where have you seen this shift most pronounced where they're transforming from a resume-based evaluation to a more skill-based one in your experience at Workshape? The are tech companies that are doing it, I have to say, that I think they're, how they've innovated is almost as a result of necessity also, but they've recognized that, okay, I need to hire a scale, I need to you know, go from uh, 50 engineers to 500 engineers. You know what? You cannot do that with a traditional recruiting pipeline based on applicants. And applicants, typically, you apply with a resume. So instead, they've started to reject the resume completely, and they started to do much more event-driven type recruitment. They're pushing the assessment further back into the flow. So if you think about the recruitment pipeline as it is, the resume is really designed as, oh, you should really make the assessment based on this resume right at the beginning, more or less at the beginning of pipeline. The smart companies are recognizing because resumes are such a bad signal, you cannot use it in this way. What you can do is at least understand this person's developer, get him involved in the pipeline in some way, and then you have a different way to assess as you go through. Now, this could be a technical solution like you guys have got. It could simply be, hey, listen, we get this guy in the room a little bit. We get him in a meetup. We do a hackathon or we do something which basically has him interact with our technical team. And then through you know, a more organic dialogue, you'll be able to surface out a few things to at least say whether this person's out or possible. And then you can take him further into the process as you go that way. So I think companies that I've been impressed with are the ones that understand that you can't process software developers and assume you can do that at scale. You actually need to have an iterative approach to recruiting them. So in some respects, I think recruiters need to learn a little bit from how software engineers operate. So the, the modus operandi of recruiters is typically a waterfall process. Recruiting is typically waterfall. And yet developers, of course, has been agile now for a very long time. I think the way to recruit developers at scale is, is to adopt the agile method, uh, or at least the agile principles. 
And I don't mean sort of doing stand-ups and you know, doing the, the sort of symbolic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, literally re-engineering the candidate pipeline and re-engineering your workflow so that you're not processing in the same way. Like I say, there's companies that have aggressively done this. Zalando is a good example. You know, yeah. one of the high- I think you guys use them maybe or they use you, but yeah. 2,000 engineers in 12 months, okay, you know what? You can't pipe these guys through this way. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have a totally different way to do it. And typically, you modularize your recruiting pipeline. You start parallel processing parts that you used to be sequential. Before you know it, you're starting to do things in like an object-oriented way, right? You're starting to recruit a lot more as you might do software development. Those are the companies and those are the examples that I think are going to win that particular battle. Thank you so much for the listeners. If you have any specific questions or topics, tweet to at Hackerank. Thank you so much.